We are back in New York City. Canada was at Pinball Expo 2021. And I must say, I don't think I've felt this good about this hobby and this community in a very, very long time. And I am so positive and pumped about pinball and being a part of this community. And I'm going to be completely honest. I was feeling sort of bummed out about pinball. I was getting fatigued. I was getting irritated by a lot of things. The price inflations, people going after me with fake pages on Facebook. All of this stuff was starting to weigh me down. And then I went to Chicago and I got reminded about the most important part of this hobby. The most important thing in this hobby. It's not the pinball machines. It's not the sparkly purple armor on Elvira. It's not the toys in Godzilla. It's not the light show in Guns N' Roses. The entire reason this hobby is fun, the reason we love it, the most valuable thing in pinball is actually free. It's the people. And it's been almost two years. It probably has been two years since all of us have been at a pinball show together and just geeked out over the thing we love, which is pinball. So being at Pinball Expo this past Thursday and Friday was one of the greatest 48 hours I've had in pinball. And we're going to talk about the show. We're going to talk about some of the things I saw. But I first want to start out by saying for each and every one of you that I hung out with at Expo, I truly, truly do mean it. You made it so very special for me, and you've really re-energized this show. And you've also given me a different perspective on where I want to take this show moving forward. And not only did I have amazing conversations with so many of my fans, and I can't even begin to name all of your names, and you know who you are, I do have to give a crazy call out to Hector, man. You are absolutely insane, and I love you, and thank you so much for the steak dinner at Morden's, brother. I really do appreciate it. And just hanging out with so many of you was so great. It was so great catching up with my friends over at the Loser Kid Pinball Podcast. It was so great talking to the twins and talking to Todd Tucky, and even Jack Guanari and me had a moment that I will never forget. And that was at 11.30 Friday night on a piano playing November Rain for Jersey Jack. You know, I have my differences with Jersey Jack pinball. I do. And Eric Minier walked right past me and snubbed me right when I got to the show. Apparently, he's upset with me. A lot of people told me that. I'm sorry, Eric. I would have apologized for upsetting you. I don't know what the actual reason is Eric is mad at me, but you could probably pick from 10 different things. But I have always been a fan of this game, Guns N' Roses, and I know there have been quality issues, but at the show itself, it really was a time to just get together and celebrate pinball, and without Jersey Jack, we wouldn't have Guns N' Roses. You know, sometimes you can look at some of the issues in a vacuum, and you can start to forget, is it better to live in a world in which you have a pinball machine, even if it has a few issues, and at least have that machine, or live in a world in which there is no Jersey Jack pinball? If I had to choose between those two things, I would choose to be in a world where Jersey Jack Pinball 
throws its hat in the ring and shows us what they can do in the pinball world. And there were so many pinball royalty floating around the show, it was awesome to see. Now, what did I think of Pinball Expo as a show itself? Well, first and foremost, I want to thank David Fix and Rob Burke for putting the show together. They were at the show. I was able to say hi to them. What did I think of the show itself? Well, the first thing is this. I know for a lot of us out there, a lot of us out there, you wanted to go, but you couldn't. And I want to say that when you get a chance to travel again, and when you have the means to do so, I would get to the next show you can. Maybe it's Pintastic up in Boston, which is in just a couple of weeks. Maybe it's TPF. But this really is where the magic is. I can't even emphasize this enough. Pinball, hanging out with these geeks, it doesn't require you to buy a $25,000 Elvira. It doesn't matter if you have an Ellie or not. In fact, before I go into the show itself, I want to say that I barely played pinball at Pinball Expo because the people are the valuable thing. The people are the interesting thing. And why would I waste my time? I mean this. It's almost like, why would I waste my time playing a pinball machine for 10 minutes or 20 minutes when I can talk to these people for 20 minutes or a half hour who I never get to see. Maybe I see them in real life once a year. And so that is where I applied the majority of my effort. I'm also a horrible pinball player, but if you saw me on Cactus Canyon Remake, I didn't drain that quickly. So if anyone was filming Canada, he actually can play pinball somewhat decently. Right now, all the tournament players are rolling their eyes being like, this kid is garbage and you guys are right. So here's the thing with Pinball Expo, and this always happens, and this happened to me and it happened to a lot of the people who went there. If you are going to this show, the first few days are kind of like a washout. And what I mean by a washout, not that it's raining on the show itself, but you're waiting around all day long for something to open, for there to be something to do. So for those of you who flew in on Wednesday, there was barely anything to do. You have the Stern Virtual Tour, which Jack Danger did a good job on, and then you just waited. You just waited for something to happen because there wasn't anything opening on Wednesday, so then you get to Thursday, and the vendor hall does not open up. I think the entire show did not open up on Thursday until... 6 p.m. So the entire day is like you're just sitting around waiting. And then the next day, the vendor hall doesn't open up until 4 p.m. That was Friday. So there is a lot of sitting around and waiting. And if I could give some advice to the Pinball Expo people, you've got a lot of people traveling into these shows. You need to open up those areas earlier. Or if I'm you, I wouldn't travel in until like Friday, Saturday. I mean, those really are the better two days to be there to begin with. And the reason why I came home early was I wanted to surprise Brenda because Saturday nights are my favorite night of the week. We drink a bottle or two of sake and we get the most amazing spicy noodles with some vegetable chili oil dumplings from this amazing place and I don't want to miss it. So I'm here, I'm in New York and so I was at Expo and we're going to talk about my favorite highs and lows of Expo. So I was telling you about the delay in opening up and that is a real thing. The other thing people will complain about and did complain about were the games in the free play area. 
And a lot of these games were brought by Rob Burke. And people did observe that these games were not in the best condition. And some of them weren't even turned on. This is always an issue with the free play area. But I will say, the games in the free play area were not the best. And that's the area that stays open to like 2 in the morning. Because all the good games, like the really new good games everybody wanted to play, were in the vendor area. Stuff like Godzilla. Guns and Roses, Legends of Valhalla, Cactus Canyon, everything was over there. So that is another big issue is there weren't any of those newer games out in the free play area. So I do think they have to figure out a way to make it so it's not like all in in the vendor area and that's the only place you really want to be and everything else just feels like it's for more casual people walking in off the streets. But as I said, I didn't really care. Like when I see people complain about this, I'm like, are you here because you really want to play these old pinball machines or are you here to drink booze and hang out with your friends and have meals and stay out to three in the morning because the wife and the kids are not with you? And I think that's the reason why most of these guys go to these shows. And so just be prepared for that delay. And, and I will say it is a long wait and people start to get a little antsy. And I did talk to a lot of people that on Thursday were like, I might think about booking my flight home early. And you just don't want to get that vibe. You want people to feel like there's stuff to do and stuff to check out. Now, the hotel was beautiful. The Renaissance Hotel was beautiful. Only problem was there really wasn't anything in walking distance of this hotel. So we didn't have like a bar or two in the parking lot, like a Twin Peaks or a Perry Steakhouse. There wasn't anywhere to go to. And that's also, I think, a little bit of the downside of this. Now, the plus side of it is this hotel is huge and there are so many good common areas where everyone could congregate. It was fun seeing so many fans of Canada's Pinball Podcast come up to me and have a conversation. I want to give you a funny story. So I'm sitting by myself because every like hour or two, I just needed to like decompress and just unwind. And of course, when I'm sitting by myself, who walks up to me? Who starts walking towards me? It's like the crew at Jersey Jack Pinball. It's Jack Guinari and Steve Ritchie. And Jack walks up to me and he says, look at you, Canada. You're sitting with all your friends. And I, you know, it's like, I like Jack's sarcasm. It was actually a good joke. And he sat down with me and we took a photo. And then later that night, I played for him Guns N' Roses November Rain. But I'm going to make this photo the, uh, the image for this podcast. And so there weren't a ton of reveals at this show. And I'm not going to lie, I didn't go to all the seminars. I didn't hear everybody talk. I didn't go to most of the seminars. I really just wanted to pop into a few of them. I didn't even get to see all the ones I wanted to. But the main one I wanted to see because I heard a few hours before that Chicago Gaming Company was finally going to reveal... Cactus Canyon Remake. You know how I feel about presentations at pinball shows. You know how, as a marketer, it pains me when I see companies completely fumble these kinds of moments because you've been working on this game for like a couple years and this is your moment to reveal it to the world for the first time. Remember, no one's ever seen this game before. So this was the equivalent of the Guns N' Roses video that Jersey Jack Pinball put out into the world to get everybody excited about GNR. Now, I'm going to tell this story backwards. The end of this story is this. They sold out of all Cactus Canyon remakes at 
1250 units at $9,200. I think it's $9,250. Every single game is spoken for. So good on them because you know and I know that this was the worst kept secret in pinball. And so dealers have had lists for this game for a very long time. So the moment they hit go, and I was talking to JJ at the game exchange, he didn't even know the price. Like he's sitting right behind me as they wheel the game in. I'm like, JJ, how much is it? He's like, I don't know. How many are you getting? I don't know. And that's just the way it was. It was like in real time, it was like Ryan White was reading off of his phone what the price of the game was because he got an email saying what it was like that evening or the evening before. And so everything was happening quickly. The other part was this is like they wheeled it in. Butch Peel, I love you, brother. Butch Peel wheels the game in with the staff at CGC and it's not even covered. So let's just talk about that too. It's like, look, we know it's Cactus Canyon, but still just cover it up. Like they wheeled the machine in and there I am filming and all these other people start running up, filming it, taking photos. And Ryan was having technical difficulties getting his computer hooked up to their AV. And it was just like this, like, oh no. But again, it doesn't matter. Was it one of the worst reveals ever? Probably. But again, they sold every single game. Now, I still don't understand why these companies, when they know they have this moment, why they don't just call Canada up and say, hey, look, we would like to give you a chance to help us sort of with our presentation. There was also a really good video that Zach Manny put together for straight down the middle on this game. So I highly recommend checking that out. I'm also going to talk a little bit at the end of this podcast about a conversation I had with Zach because I do think it's important for me to talk about this on the show. I think you guys are going to be happy to hear how our conversation went, um, but I'm going to end this show with that. But but straight down the middle has a good video on this game. It was probably one of the worst rollouts of a game I've ever seen. And then they had four of the games on the floor and people were playing them all night. Now, let me give you my thoughts on Cactus Canyon. Here are my thoughts on Cactus Canyon. So I played the game. This is one of the games that I did play because I couldn't give you my first impressions without playing it. My thoughts are this. It plays like Cactus Canyon, right? No big surprise there because it is Cactus Canyon. The game does look beautiful. It does look beautiful. They did a great job with the topper. They did a great job with the sculpts on the apron. The game does look great. The game is packed with toys. I will say, though, there's something about Cactus Canyon when you play it. It's just not as an exciting game as Monster Bash or Medieval Madness or Attack from Mars. And if you look at the way this game's been ranked over the years, I think that falls in line with how we've felt about this game for almost 25, 30 years. So you are getting a great new version of Cactus Canyon, but... They did not make the Cactus Canyon game like that much better. We still don't have the Lyman Sheets code in this game. That is going to come at a later date and it will come with a price tag associated with it. And that's okay. Like I don't have a problem with that. I don't think we can review yet what the ultimate expression of Cactus Canyon is from Chicago Gaming Company. And Lyman Sheets has been working on it for a while. So we'll see when that code happens. But the best part of this game is the price. At this price point, I think if you get this game, you're going to be very satisfied. I was fully expecting this game to be more than $10,000. In fact, I will say right now, I think they left a lot of money on the table. I think they could have charged around $11,000 for this machine and they would have got it for every single one. So then you do the math. Like, let's say they charge $2,000 more for every single game. 
times 1250 games that's a lot more money in the pocket of chicago gaming company but who am i to complain that they're actually pushing prices in the right direction because the rest of the games that came out recently are all very expensive and if you put cactus canyon remake next to ultraman and halloween i mean you're getting a lot more in cactus canyon and the SE version of Cactus Canyon is $8,000. So if you put the SE version of Cactus Canyon, in which there's a lot in that game, there's a lot more in that standard edition of Cactus Canyon than is in Legends of Valhalla. So it is a great bang for the buck. Here's the one thing though, when they revealed the game and I saw the game for the first time, here's the one major thing I wish they had done with Cactus Canyon Remake. When I look at the game, it just looks a little dull from the cabinet standpoint. It looks a little flat. I really wish they would have made those decals pop more. You know, like a glossy rad cow would look amazing, like something that's embossed, has a little bit of definition to it, but it's all so flat and none of it is shiny. And even the armor is like a duller sort of dark gray, like a gunmetal gray. And I understand maybe they're going for that Western like rustic look, but I would have made it pop more. There's just something about it. It just looks a little dull, especially next to stuff like Godzilla and Guns N' Roses, these hyper colorful pins. And then you see it, it doesn't sort of wow you when you see it from a distance. But I'm glad they sold everyone. I also want to report to all of you out there because you know that I had some back and forth with Ryan White leading up to this game's launch a few weeks ago. And Ryan and I sat down for a, at least an hour and had an incredible conversation. And I want to say, Ryan, it was so great talking to you. And again, this is why I love these shows in real life, because even though you might have some issues and you go back and forth with people, you get so much further when you connect in real life and just talk about it. And we just talked about it. And I told him, hey, Ryan, next time, just call me. And if I upset you because I said something on my show, just let me know. So Ryan, it was really great talking to you, hearing about your past, hearing where you come from, and hearing your vision for Chicago Gaming Company. So I want to thank you, Ryan, for doing that. I appreciated it. All right, so Cactus Canyon, the big one. Now, the next game that was the new game was Legends of Valhalla. And I've played Legends of Valhalla. And I will say the American pinball setup in the vendor area was really nice. They had, I think, six Legends of Valhalla. I think they had six Hot Wheels and four Houdinis all set up at their sort of display area. And I will say there were people on Legends of Valhalla all night long. Every time the vendor hall was open, there were people playing the game. And I got the same feedback about Legends of Valhalla that I've given people. Everyone seems to say the game is fun to shoot. It's an okay game, right? It's an okay game. It's not gonna blow you away. And remember, this game is in the same room as Godzilla. It's in the same room as Cactus Canyon. It's in the same room as Elvira. It's in the same room as Jurassic Park. It's in the same room as Deadpool. It's in the same room as Guns and F and Roses. And this is it, right? I've said this, like when you play these games in a vacuum, it's one thing. But when you play these games next to everything else in the marketplace, that's where it gets really hard to say out of all these games, the game I'm going to buy is Legends of Valhalla. Now, they sold through these games. I do think these games are still going to sit at distributors, especially after all of this stuff has been coming out recently. It's going to sit at distributors and they're going to be available to buy for a while. It's just going to be the case. There's just too many games out there. The amount of people I spoke to 
that are in on Godzilla Premium, the amount of people I talk to that have Guns N' Roses orders coming in or just opened up a GNR. There's all those people that bought Halloweens and all those people that bought Ultramans. There's just a lot of purchasing going on in a very short window. And I think distributors, though, are dying for product, right? Distributors are starving for new in-box games right now. They can't get inventory. So I am not surprised when American Pinball said, hey, we will make 500 games new in-box who wants them? Every single distributor that carries American Pinball raised their hands and said, give me as many as I can get because they need product. A distributor can't make money if they don't have games to sell you. But I still think this game is going to go down as more of a middle of the road game. And that's not me slamming the game. It's just not at the same caliber as the other games that are out there right now. And it's not cheap. That's the other part. For 8400 bucks. Valhalla is just not cheap. So you really should jump on it and you really have to play it to make sure that you really want it in your game room. Now, I want to talk about four other games. The first game I want to talk about is Elvira, the 40th anniversary edition. There was one on the floor. And I will say, this game does look beautiful. Does it look $20,000 beautiful? No. Does it look $25,000 beautiful? Absolutely not. Does it look $30,000 beautiful? If you spent $30,000 on this game, I do think you need your head examined. And I was talking to my friend Dan. Dan, I'm going to call you out right now. Dan's an amazing guy. Dan bought one of these, and I think he bought it really, really well. He bought one for $18,000 new in box. So I just want you guys to hear that who paid 30 that some dude just bought this for 18. Now he might have bought it at the lowest price imaginable, but here's how it went down. I think distributors were sold this game for 15 grand and they were told you can price it at whatever you want. And that's why you're seeing distributors starting it at like $30,000. Why not? Put it up there. See if it sells. See if someone bites. If they don't, take a couple thousand dollars off. If they don't bite on that, take another thousand dollars off until you sell it. But they're going to sell all of these because the games are gorgeous. I just don't think they are worth anywhere near twenty dollars to $25,000. But Stern has figured out that all you need are 199 really wealthy men who don't really care. That's it. They don't care. And who am I to ruin their happiness? Would I spend that money on this game? Absolutely not. And the main reason I wouldn't is you can get the same exact game for $8,000. There is nothing different. There's no different mode. There's no different anything. Elvira doesn't even give you a personalized call out like Adam West did. So there's nothing different in the game at all. But congratulations to those who got one because it is damn sexy. I can't lie. It is very sexy. And the foil on it is so much nicer than the foil they put on Godzilla. But after seeing Elvira, the Godzilla Ellie, which still looks amazing, just didn't look nearly as cool as Elvira. But I will say Godzilla under the glass, I think it's Stern's craziest game ever. I really do. I cannot say enough amazing things about Godzilla, about what Zombie Yeti and Keith Owen created in this game. Nobody I spoke to, I haven't heard anyone, anyone 
say anything negative about Godzilla. And the LE and the Premium, they play just as good as you think they will. And the added toys are so awesome that if you got a Godzilla, you are going to be a very happy camper. And it's way too early to call it, but I keep hearing a lot of people say this might be Stern's best pinball machine ever. And when they did the Stern rankings, remember when everyone voted and Iron Maiden won, right? Iron Maiden beat out Lord of the Rings. I would argue that Godzilla is better than Iron Maiden. And so did this just dethrone the champion? Did Keith just beat himself up and become number one again? Now, be careful when you unbox your Godzilla LEs because I just saw someone unboxed his game, an LE of Godzilla. And when they were making the game, they forgot to put the metal ball guide in the upper right part of the game. And the guy keeps plunging it and losing balls. And it was like, what's going on? And then he opened it up and he saw like someone who manufactured this fell asleep at lunchtime and forgot to put the metal ball guide. How can you do that? How did that pass any quality testing? Did Stern even plunge the ball once? And then another guy's game arrives. This is an Ellie. And his entire side art, it's like they dropped the playfield on it and it's all scraped and it scratched through to the bare wood. And they should have saw that too. Like there is no way someone walked over that game and didn't see that. And I think what's happening with some of this, you know, Stern's making a hundred games a day. And that means every once in a while, there's going to be a sloppy mistake. Now, they're not making these mistakes on most of the games but they are making some mistakes. So just be careful when you unbox your Godzilla and look it over before you start playing. Jersey Jack had a really nice setup. They had a lot of Guns N' Roses setup. I think Stern probably had like 20 Godzillas. I want to say JJP had, I'm, I'm just kind of guessing right now. I want to say they had 15 Guns N' Roses machines set up. They even had Slash's Collector's Edition there with big speakers next to it in this middle of like this stage area. And I'm just going to say this, and I'm not saying this because Eric snubbed me and I'm trying to get in his good graces again. I'm not. And you know how I feel about this game. I walked up to this game after playing Cactus Canyon, Godzilla, Legends of Valhalla, everything at the show. I walked up to Slash's machine and we were playing games, me and a few friends. And I want to just say that I don't care and I will arm wrestle any of you that doesn't think this is a great game. I actually think Guns N' Roses is the most next level pinball machine I've ever played. I just think it's pinball on a whole different experiential level. And I understand why some of you complain about like the heavy multi-balls. I understand why some of you think the ball disappears too much. And I understand if you're so used to Stern and how the Sterns feel, this might not be your cup of tea. I get that. But from a pure experiential standpoint, there is no greater pinball machine ever from an experiential standpoint, think Guns N' Roses. And when you're hearing the music blast and you're seeing the lights go and you're hitting those shots, and I guess I want people to stop just saying it's only lights. No, when you are hitting the shots you need to hit and then you're advancing through the song and the modes and you're hitting the scoop and you're locking balls up on the upper play field, it's awesome. It is awesome. When you forget about all the issues people have had with Jersey Jack machines recently, and you just enjoy the game and get immersed in it, it is next level pinball like nobody else is doing. And I mean that. And I said this to a friend of mine, I said, look, Godzilla LE and Guns N' Roses Collector's Edition 
If you only had two pinball machines and you just had those two machines next to each other. Now, Canada does have those two machines next to each other at Cointaker right now, but I mean it out of a box. If you had those two machines next to each other, they both complement each other very nicely. What more do you need? What more from a pinball experience could you ever hope for? I think both of these machines next to each other, you would be a satisfied pinball person for the rest of your life. And that is taking into account if you actually can enjoy these themes. I mean, don't get me wrong. I know that theme is very important. And so if you don't like either theme, then I could understand why you might want something else. But man, it is next level pinball. And I walked up to Ken Cromwell and I shook his hand because I know we've had some issues too. And I said, Ken, man, I just want to say thank you. Like, it's great seeing you. And this game is still, it still is a tremendous masterpiece. And I mean it. And I know all of us out there, we all can't wait to see what's next from Jersey Jack Pinball. It is most likely going to be Toy Story. I did hear some more rumors about JJP, but I'm not going to share those right now. But it is going to be Toy Story. And it is probably going to be Pat Lawler's last game. I think he might retire after this. That's the other thing I heard. But JJP, man, you can't deny it. Like when they bring a game out. It is a spectacle to behold. It really, really is. And if you have an LE, you need to get those inner art blades that are the tour posters. The red LE with all those tour posters and then the tour posters and the inner art decals are so awesome looking. You have to get those. I want to finish with one final game, which was the surprise hit of this show for me. And this is a game that when you play it and you hear the sounds and you see the colors and you see how the theme is integrated, I think this to me is the next TNA. I think to me, this is the next game that somebody needs to make. This is the next game that if they bring this game to market, it will be a huge success. And I don't think I had more fun watching a little kid play a pinball machine than I did when I watched this little kid playing this machine. And he was hitting all the ramps and he was hitting all the shots and drop targets were going down and he was hitting the coolest spinners in the history of pinball. I mean that, I'm gonna say it again. These are the coolest spinners in the history of pinball. And it is no other than Ryan McQuaid's Sonic Spinball. This machine, are you listening American Pinball? Are you listening Stern Pinball? Are you listening Jersey Jack Pinball? Can you imagine if Ryan went over to Jersey Jack Pinball and they made Sonic? I mean, this is perfect, Jack. You like family-friendly themes. I mean, what better theme than Sonic the Hedgehog? What Ryan has engineered in this game is absolutely stunning. This guy has done more than J-Pop could do in 12 years. And this isn't just like, you know, TNA one level game. There is a lot of creative ideas in this game that just works so damn well. And I was talking to Ryan. I'm like, Ryan, this game needs to be made. And Canada's not going to stop until we find this game a manufacturer. And I know American Pinball announced at their seminar that they're going to do a competition and vote on the best homebrew game. And then they're going to make that game. No, David Fix, don't do that. Just make Sonic Spinball and sell 3,000 units. Are you listening, David Fix? Are you listening, George Gomez? Maybe hire this guy. He's a great designer. I know Jersey Jack just hired his friend who's doing Metroid, so maybe there's no room over at JJP, but somebody needs to make this game. Maybe it's Ryan White at CGC. Now, I heard a rumor about Mark Ritchie's next game up. I'm going to tell you at a later date. I don't want there to be like any negative vibes on this show, so I don't want to spoil it too much, but I heard some stuff about Pulp Fiction. Oh, Canada said it. Pulp Fiction is coming from CGC. More to come on that. When you see Sonic, you also start to ask yourself, why aren't we making more pinball machines based on arcade stuff people love. 
There are so many amazing arcade games that can make amazing pinball machines. Can you imagine, just for a moment, imagine this. A Super Mario Brothers game made by Jersey Jack Pinball. Eric Minier's Super Mario Brothers. Imagine that with the green pipes. Now imagine this. The green pipes, the ball goes and it goes down into it. And it goes dun 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 dun. Then you're in a lower play field. And in the lower play field, it's like it's the dark gray bricks. And you have to like go around and around and around like a fireball. Like can you imagine how cool that would be? And maybe there's an upper play field that's Bowser's Castle. Just a visual of that. It would blow all of us away. It would make us want to throw money at this game like never before. A couple more things, then we're going to call this show a wrap. So I want to say that for all of you out there who went to the Jersey Jack seminar, and I purposely did not go, and the reason I did not go was I did want to show them respect, and they know my feelings on all the issues with their games. They know how I feel, and I've voiced it so many times that so many of you are still annoyed that I've said it so much. So, out of respect, let them have their seminar. Now, I want to say this. All of you who were there, I can't believe that not one person, not one person in the crowd raised their hand and asked them a question about playfield quality. How is it that all of you, and you know who you are, how is it that all of you collectively cowered at that moment? And this is why you do need Canada Spinball Podcast, because if I was there... I would have been obligated to ask that question. Now we'll never know. We may never know the answer now because all of you guys cowered and didn't ask the question. I know it's a tough question to ask. I admit that. It's going to put you right on the spot, but someone should have asked that question. All right, so before I go, it was Friday night and I saw Zach. I walked up to him and I said, look, nobody likes any of the beef. Nobody likes any of the drama. I don't like it. You don't like it. It's not that we have to be best friends, right? You're allowed to have differences with people, but it's got to the point now where I've behaved in a way where I'm like annoyed with myself and I don't like behaving in a way that just bums me out and sort of deflates me from this hobby. And so I, I had a long conversation with him. Drew was there from uh, from poor man's sort of like facilitating this. And I also apologized to Zach's wife for anything that I have said that had offended them. And I want to move forward. And I want to move forward in a positive way. And as I said to him when we were talking, it's just going to come down to consistent action. And that's it, right? Words don't matter. I, I get it. Like you can, you can shake hands and say words and then you just go back to bad behavior. So I hope moving forward, we all can move forward together. And the only thing I can control is my behaviors. I hope to lead by example with better behavior. I've let Greg and Zach back onto Facebook Live and and unblock them and unban them. And I just want to talk about pinball. And I think the more we talk about pinball and geek out about pinball together, the better. And that doesn't mean we stop critiquing games. It doesn't mean we stop reviewing product. It doesn't mean we stop holding these companies accountable. But we should stop. We should stop attacking each other in the content creator world. We don't need that anymore. And we've all been the culprits of it and we've all been the victims of it. I just want to move past it, and I want to lead by example. And I want Canada's Facebook Live to be a place where everybody can come. I want Canada's Pinball Podcast to be a podcast everybody can listen to and enjoy. And Steve Ritchie said this. Someone asked Steve Ritchie what he thought of Canada, and I think he said something. I'm going to paraphrase Steve. He said, we all don't like him in the industry, but we all do feel he's important. And I'll take that, Steve. I will take that as some sort of compliment that we all can't just be saying everything is awesome in pinball because it's not always awesome. But the thing that never pulls, that never chips, that never needs a code update, 
that never needs a new play field, that doesn't need a new topper, that doesn't cost $25,000. The thing that doesn't need any of that are the people. And the people are amazing. And I will say, you know, sitting with Jack and playing November Rain, seeing all the pinball people in the community, all the people at these companies, these people care They're all good people. They're all fun people. They're all pretty charismatic. Like we're all connected over something where the rest of the world thinks we're the losers. They really do. 99.9% of the world would walk into Pinball Expo and make fun of all of us. And I would rather be, and I would rather be at that expo with you guys wearing weird merchandise and just having fun than not having a hobby like this, than not being a nerd about something like pinball. So it was awesome. It was great seeing all of you. And I can't wait to see more of you as more shows go on into 2022. So everybody, this was my review of Expo. I hope you enjoyed it. And thank you everybody who listens, everyone who contributes, everyone who's bought merchandise. I really do appreciate each and every one of you. Thank you so much. Have a good night. (laughs) 